You can go ahead and have a seat, and the kids can go with Caleb and Haley. I want to tell you about a couple things before we get into the word this morning. Um, so Thursday, there's a group of 12 of us that are going to be going to Mexico. Um, we're going to commission the team here at the end of the service. But, um, so uh, neither Rick nor I will be here, but I want to prep you for the guy who's going to be preaching it's actually a, a guy that I've gotten to know over the years, um, a guy by the name of John Michael Brown. Um, he's a youth pastor at Hallsbury Christian Church. And I think my favorite thing about him is not only is he a phenomenal communicator, um, but he preaches without shoes on. So if you have a problem with that, um, that you know, yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. He has a whole backstory behind it. He might tell you it. He might not. Um, but, uh, so, but he's an incredible guy, and Danielle and I were talking last night, and it's like, maybe you should call him and tell him, see if he can come the next week so that we can, you know, be there, because both of us will be out of town, and, uh, and so, but anyway, um, you're not going to want to miss next week. Uh, he, he emailed me, and he's like, is that all right if I do Psalm 23? And I'm like, I mean, is there a greater Psalm in the Bible than Psalm 23? And so, phenomenal guy, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, one of the things I want to encourage you about, just kind of pastorally, um, before I get into the sermon, is um, the, the, the schedule of this summer, we've intentionally, as elders, made a decision to open up the schedule and kind of free up some things in the schedule, um, which means we've taken uh, community groups and kind of, you know, we're not having those or studies. Um, and he, but here's my encouragement, my charge to you in that is that you would utilize this time to invite people into your home. To find people within the, this community of faith and invite them into your home. Maybe you don't know them very well, maybe you do, but grow deeper in the Lord together so that the freeness in the schedule as a church shouldn't leave you lazy in your pursuit of community, but should make you more adamant in your pursuit of community. You follow that? Because okay, so I just want to encourage you and, and charge you in that. And then um, I want to pray, and before I pray, I want to, um, I want to give you an update. Um, John, is your dad doing well? Um, awesome. So this past week, John's dad had um, surgery to remove cancer from his throat. And um, I think initially they said 80% recovery, and now they're saying it looks like he might recover completely. So praise God for that. Surgery went great, and he's, he's recovering out of ICU and doing well. So thanks for your prayers. Um, let's continue to pray him home. And uh, so let's pray right now. Let's pray for... Um, pray for him, and then we'll, we'll get into Psalm 119. Pray with me. Father God, you are great. You are so great. Because you are in the heavens, and you do whatever you please. And you call us into relationship with yourself. And that is a phenomenal reality, that we can know you, and that we are known by you. So we come right now to you, thanking you for your grace. Thank you for Bill Jost and the grace and mercy you have bestowed upon him and the surgery going well. And we pray for um, continued recovery. Thank you for the good news that it looks like he's going to recover fully. Um, we pray for the road ahead, that you'd continually heal his body. You continually strengthen John, Katie, and the rest of the family. And um, God, the road the he- ahead, whether it's chemo or radiation or, or whatever's ahead, we pray that you would give them strength. And um, 
God, we just thank you for what you've done so far. God, would you move among us this morning as we dive into Psalm 119. Um, God, stir our affections for you. Apart from your spirit moving right now in our hearts, this will be dull, dumb words. But would you stir our affections by the power of your Holy Spirit? And would you move in our midst? Um, We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so we're in Psalm 119. We're back in Psalm 119. We didn't make it through all 176 verses, so I thought we'd probably try again. Um, so uh, we're back there. So if you have a Bible and you want to go to Psalm 119, that'd be a great idea. Um, how is it that you know what to pray when you pray? You ever thought about that? So when you say, Dear Lord, the remainder of what comes out of your mouth is based on what? Anybody? Spirit? Okay. You're like, do I give him the answer he's wanting, or do I give him the real answer? Okay. Um, Okay, because if you've been around kids at all, you know how hilarious at times, they request things of you, right? As, as adults, as parents, um, to the point where you're just like, are you, are you is, seriously, like, you're really asking me um, to do this, okay? Um, it's, it's almost like, you know, if they could get in your head, or maybe, maybe you want to get in their head, okay? I'm watching the Hammonds laugh over here because... I see some funny, funny Facebook posts about some of that. But anyway, um, that's another conversation for another time. Um, okay, but, but here, here's what's interesting. I wonder if on some levels the Lord is up in heaven and he, and, and he kind of looks down upon us. Um, I don't mean that in a shameful way, but he kind of looks down just positionally. Um, and, and he kind of shakes his head almost or just kind of like, like, like a parent would with their children. Like, are you really asking that of me? And I wonder if he's like, you don't understand. You don't see the picture. Okay, and here's, here's what we're going to do. And here's the amazing thing about what I want to do this morning is we're going to look at three prayers in Psalm 119. Now, there's a ton of prayers. If you've seen the practical application in your bulletin, it says, find all the prayers in Psalm 119 and write them on note cards and pray them. And we're going to look at three of them. Okay, and here's what's, what's awesome about what we're going to do this morning is that the Word of God is the will of God. Okay, so when we pray the will of God, what happens? It's the will of God. It happens, right? Okay, how often are our prayers guided by how we feel, which aren't entirely horrible prayers, or what we want, which aren't entirely horrible prayers? I'm not saying, like, we don't pray for what we want. Scripture says you have not because you ask not, okay? But what I want us to see this morning is that there's power when we take the truth of the Scriptures and the Word of God, and we speak that to God, okay? So let's do that this morning. Three different prayers. The first one is in verse 18. So draw your eyes to Psalm 119, verse 18. Here's what it says. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times like I just don't think some of the things about the Lord or some of the things in the Word are all that great or all that wonderful, okay? Um, 
we don't, as a, as a church oftentimes, um, as Christians, as a people, we don't treasure the Word of God. We talked about that a little bit last week, okay? And, and one of the main reasons why is because we're, we're blind, okay? So look at, look at the psalmist's prayer, verse 18. Open my eyes, okay? So before you and I can begin to see that, man, there's unbelievable wonders in the, God of, in, in the Word of God and the God of the Word, before we can see that, we have to, our eyes have to be opened, okay? So there's this theme in the Scripture that happens a ton, this idea of blindness, okay? Um, and so the issue here isn't so much that, that David's like, my eyes are closed, I'm physically blind, I need you to do a physical healing as much as it's a spiritual reality. Or the, the Bible sometimes will use, will say the eyes of my heart, which is like, whoa, that's just weird. Your, eye, your heart has eyes, okay? Like, it's talking about a spiritual reality, okay? And David's saying, I need my eyes open. Um, in Acts chapter 26, you have the Apostle Paul recounting his conversion experience. If you're not familiar with this conversion experience, go back to Acts chapter 9. Pretty powerful encounter. Um, but listen to what, what God says to him as he's, he's recounting what his encounter with the Lord. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. It says this, But rise and stand upon your feet, God speaking to Paul, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Okay, so he's like, I'm sending you out to be a witness for me. But notice how he articulates this. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Why, why is he sending them? Verse 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, the Bible says that the eyes of unbelievers are blinded, okay? That the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers to keep him from seeing the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, okay? And only through the power of the gospel, the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ can you and I begin to see the wonders of God and his word. And that's, that's the psalmist's prayer. Open my eyes. Okay? Now, maybe as we, we've walked through, we spent some time walking through the psalms, we spent some time walking through last week, Psalm 119, you're like, man, there's some passion there that I just don't have. This is the prayer for us. Because apart from God opening our eyes, like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen you and I have a tendency to see a whole lot of other things as wonderful, right? As our pursuit. I was thinking the other day about people who just give their life to video games. I was hanging out with some buddies a couple weekends ago, and we were playing video games. And I don't play a lot of video games, but I, they're fun when, when I play them. But, like, there's people that, like, you know, they get the books, and they're just, like, you know, figuring out the cheat codes. And I'm like, dude, you're, like, 35 years old. You, like, know the back end of this game. Okay, like, like people that give their lives to things. That's just one illustration, okay? Man, what would it be like if we gave our lives to knowing God 
and his word. Is that not the call? Is it not? Because here's what prayer number one does for us. It invites us to have a different perspective, to have an eternal perspective. Open my eyes that I may see that like this is where it's at. This is what life is about. This is how you've defined life and said life will function and where you don't live in the realities of the truth of the eternal word of God, it's going to spiral out of control. And so it's basically in this first prayer, it's asking, give me gospel lenses. Help me to see things through the lenses of what Christ has done. Now, prayer number two. Um, go to Psalm 119, 36 and 37. It's going to take the first prayer and go another step further. Here it is. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Okay, now, I want you to notice something here. Because once again, like in, in every one of these prayers, there's, there's confession. Okay, in David praying, incline my heart to your testimonies, not to selfish gain. What is he saying? Probably the same thing you and I would say. Like, I'm prone to live for me. Right? I mean, if you say that's not true of you, you're a liar. I'll just call it. Call it like I see it. Like, we're prone to live for ourselves. For personal gain. To run to things that the Bible says in the end will just bring pain. But notice that David says, incline my heart to your testimony. He's like, okay. He's like, and here's the amazing thing about this. For those of, for all of us that are like, gosh, I'm just not there. Can I give you some hope? Okay, and I'm not just beating you over the head, but what, I'm, what I want to do is I want to offer a tool, namely the Word of God, to say, God by His Spirit is going to do it in us. And I remember the first time I ever completed a, a yearly Bible reading. Like I read through like the New Testament in a year and I actually did it. And I was like, unbelievable and you know, here I am, like, pursuing men. It, like it was like in college, okay? Or right out of college, okay? You're like, really? No, really, really. First time I ever did it. And, and the whole time I was saying, God, you got to do this in me. You got to, like, I'm, I'm distracted. It's not going to happen. And here's the truth, and here's the amazing thing about this, this prayer. Incline my heart. Because where you don't incline my heart, I'm going to incline my heart. And I'm going to serve my heart. And I'm going to live for my own affections and my own wants and desires. Okay? But here's the, here's the interesting thing. There's a tension here. Okay? Because in the first verse, David says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Okay? And we all admit that we're, we're prone to live for ourselves. Okay? But then the second verse says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways, okay? It is possible to pursue the ways of God in a selfish way, okay? And that's, that's, the, that's the hard part here because we can be like, it's not about me. It's about you giving me blessing. Wait, that sounds like it's about you. Okay, now listen. 
the pursuit of God is a pursuit of joy that eventually falls back on us. Okay? It's just not the primary pursuit. Okay? It's called Christian hedonism. It's a pursuit of our own joy. But it's a pursuit of Christ, not a pursuit of us. Okay? And so here this prayer invites us not just to have our eyes opened, but to live in the kingdom of God, to live out the nature and character of God, to live lives that model the life of Christ. Okay? Because it's, it's one thing to, let's say there's like this incredible vacation resort and you have a, an invitation to go there. And you just, you know, stood back and you're just like, wow, that is amazing. How awesome would that be? Like what a, what a sight, what a vision, but you don't ever enter. The Bible, what it's going to do is it's going to cast a vision for our life. Okay? And it's an incredible vision. Okay? It's painful and it's hard because it's a call to sacrifice and die with Christ. But it's an incredible vision. But how prone are we to, to maybe sit back and be like, wow. But never enter into that. It's one thing to see how the Bible calls us to, to manage, let's just say, our money. You know, and the Bible paints this picture of um, this, like, being these generous givers who, like, you know, people see us and they're like, you're just the most generous people in the world. Okay, it's another thing to actually do that, right? You can see the vision for it. You can see the vision for what it looks like for the church to be a group of people that, that, that are words are filled with edification and encouragement and strength for one another and hope for one another in the world. It's another thing to actually speak those kind of words. We're prone to tear people down. We're prone to gossip. Prone to justify our words and our speech. Okay, but... The gospel invites us into something different. So the Bible is going to paint this mental picture. This, it's going to cast this vision for our life. But here's the amazing thing. It's going to enable us and show us how to walk in that. Okay, I was having a conversation with Danielle the other day. She's, we're, we're sitting in our house that we've rehabbed. And, and she's like, when we walked in the door for the first time, did, did you envision this? And I kind of laughed. I'm like, uh, yeah, no. I knew you would make it look great, and you would just tell me how to do it, okay? Um, and so it's, it's that idea, okay, that the Bible paints this vision, but it also enables us to do it. Let me, let me, let me explain, um, give you an example, because maybe this will help you follow me. Look at verse 9. I love this verse. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Okay, so the Bible casts a vision for righteous living. It casts a vision for a standard of living that's, that's other than the world's standard of living. Okay, is there such a thing as purity in the world? I'll let you think on that and answer that in your own mind. Okay, but so the Bible casts this vision. How can a young man keep his way pure? Casts a vision for purity. And then it gives us the means to actually producing it or walking in it. Look at the rest of the verse. By guarding it according to your word. So the word is a safeguard. It's a strength. It's a, it's a hope 
that's, that's going to show us how to walk in the vision that's given. Look at verse 11. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you're, you're beating yourself up wondering why you can't walk in the things that God's called you to walk in. You can't walk in the vision he's called you to walk in. Namely, to live out the message of the gospel. Here's the amazing thing. The means by which we do it is the word of God. Okay? Because we battle lies with truth. Right? So the enemy comes and starts beating on you. You, you battle lies with truth. Okay? And we begin to see the beauty of Christ and how God designed life to function. Here's what happens. We then see the stupidity of the world and the pursuits of the pleasures and the life that the world is calling us to run after. And when you see the vision of God and what he lays out in the word and you look at the vision that the world has, man, it's just like, it's dumb. See it for what it is. Maybe some of you need a vision for your life this morning. Maybe you sit here aimless, hopeless, purposeless, and you need to spend some time with the Lord saying, give me a vision for my life, a God-sized vision from your holy word. It's available to you today. Prayer number three. Verse 133. Gosh, I love this one. It says, Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Okay, let me give you the negative of this prayer. Okay, we just read the positive. Here's the negative side of the prayer, okay? Where we fail to claim and know and live in the promises of God, our path will be unsure and sin will rule us. Okay, because notice the prayer. It says, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Where we fail to, to pray that and do that, all, all we're doing is, is we're saying, we fail to know and claim and live in the promises of God. Our path will be unsure and sin will rule us. Okay? Have you ever seen, let me give you the example of, of lying, deception. Anyone ever lied? I remember when I stole my first sticker, I was like three. And I had to go back in to the Hallmark store and give it back and um, tried to hide it from my mom and I was crying. And Anyway, um, so... Um, deception and lying will eventually bury itself into deeper and deeper deception. If you don't come clean, do you understand that? If you don't come to a place of confession, what happens? Like you got to hide it. You got to bury it. You got to spiral out of control. It's like the whole Pinocchio thing, right? Except your nose doesn't grow, so you think you can hide it a little better than old Pinocchio could. Okay? Because there's no secure footing when it comes to walking in darkness. That's why he prays, steady my steps according to your promise. Like, steady my steps. Um, for 
my wife and I's five-year anniversary, uh, we went backpacking in Colorado. So this, is, this isn't like, hey, let's go on some day hikes. This is like, let's put everything on our backs, our food, our clothes, our sleeping stuff, um, everything. And let's hike for like 30 miles. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? We're actually planning our 10-year anniversary um, next year. But anyway, so we're hiking in, up in the mountains of Colorado, and we're going up this trail, and it's pouring, pouring. This is just after we had gotten out my wife's rain poncho, only to find out that it wasn't waterproof, and so she's soaking wet. Um, and I, I don't even think I offered you mine, did I? Um, anyway, so we're, we're going up this trail, and down, down this path is just, it's like a river just pouring water. And so it's like everything for us to be able to climb up this because it's just pouring, okay? And the only way we can get up this path without slipping is to look for footholds. Okay, oh, there's a rock. Okay, get my foot on that. Okay, we're in, hike, we're in like high-end hiking boots and we're like, you know, having to tie a rope and almost pull, our, pull ourselves up. But no, what did we do? We found rocks. We found footholds that would steady our steps and get us there, get us up the mountain. Okay, this prayer, what David says is, keep steady my steps, okay, according to your promise. So promises are are a rock. They're a secure footing. There's something you can, you know you step on, you can bank on. They'll get you there. Their hope. We need hope for our lives. Okay? Look at verse 147. How do we walk in the promises of God? Okay? How do we position rocks in such a way that our steps can be steady? Do you understand that? Okay? Look at 147 and 148. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Okay, I would contend that it's, it's, it's meditating. Okay, it's taking the words of God and claiming them for yourself. It's taking the promises of God and claiming them for yourself. Okay, have you ever just been sitting there? Going about your business, just kind of chilling, not really um, doing much or thinking about much. Um, and all of a sudden, just bam, temptation floods you. Okay, you're just like, holy cow. It's enticing, it's luring. Okay, maybe it's, it's in the area of gossip. Maybe it's in the area of sexual immorality. Maybe it's in the area of, of living for yourself. Maybe it's spending money you don't have. Maybe it's walking in timidity instead of boldness. Maybe it's just living in despair and just sitting in the weight of, I'm just not going to make it. Life is awful. It's just not going to happen. And just believing lies. You ever, just, you ever been in that? What, what do you do? What do you do in that moment? Here's what you do. You plead the promises of God. Okay, when you walked in the door, you got you to card that says pleading the promises. And this isn't all of them, but this is a lot of promises in the Bible that you cling to, you hold tightly to. OK? 
Okay? And this is how we walk in the Christian life. We hold these. We meditate on these. We walk in these promises. Okay, let me give you some examples of some of them on this card. Psalm 5, 12. It says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Like, that's a promise. God will bless those who seek to walk in his ways. He blesses the righteous. He protects us. It's a promise. 9-9, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Okay, when that temptation comes, what's your strength? Your ability to muster up, I got this? No. The realization of your weakness. And the victory that's been won on your behalf through the finished work of Christ on the cross. He's your strength. 1 Corinthians 10.13. Um, it's actually a typo on the card. It says 10.31. It's a good verse too. You can claim that one as well, but it should be 10.13. Um, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You ever thought about that? I'm, I'm the only one going through this. No one knows my pain. No one knows my struggle. That's a lie. No temptation. No trial has overtaken you except what is just common to humanity. And God will provide a way of escape. So you plead the promises of God. And here's what you do. You realize that God's put his spirit within you for a reason. Because according to 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's our means of strength. My freshman year of college, I went to a, a school in, in, uh, in Chicago. And it was really the first time I'd ever spent a significant amount of time away from my family um, and uh, Danielle and I had been dating at that time, and so it's the first time I'd spent some significant time away from her. It was five hours away from home. I didn't know anybody. And I'm not like the proactive, like, hey, I want to meet a whole bunch of new people. Like, that's just not my personality, okay? So I'm in this, on this campus with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I have no clue who any of them are. Um, not to mention I'm in a dorm with uh, three juniors and a senior, um, for whatever reason, they put me in the upperclassmen dorm. So, um, so I'd like go and eat lunch, and I was eating by myself. It was just that awkward, you know, you know, like who, who am I going to sit with? Like, I don't know anybody. Okay, maybe you didn't deal with that. Um, but it was just, it was a tough deal. Um, there were some things that, that I just didn't like about the school, and it was a, it was a hard thing. Um, and the Lord gave me this idea. Um, I got note cards, and I just started writing verses. I opened my Bible, and I was just like, okay, I need some verses that I can cling to. And I just, I put together this pack of note cards with Scripture, and I would literally carry this everywhere I went. And I'd be sitting and waiting for class to start and just reading and claiming and finding hope in these verses. And it, it saved me. And one of the things that was incredible was there was a girl named Michelle who saw me doing this. And she's like, what, what is that you have? And so I began to explain, well, these are verses that I wrote on note cards. And I just carry them around, and it's how I find hope and strength 
And she's like, that's, that's awesome. She's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that too. But you know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to make a whole bunch of them and start giving them to people. And so if I know it, she's made like 20 or 30, and she's giving them to people. And not only that, she's like, I'm going to make a new card every week, and everybody that has one of these is going to get a new card in their mailbox. So I have several cards in here that, that are her handwriting, you know. You can hardly read it. John 5, 30. By myself, I can do nothing. There's all kinds of them here. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 18.10. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. There's hope for my soul, claiming the promises of God. And I don't know about you. I don't know what you cling to. I don't know what you run to. I don't know the means by which you walk in this life. But God's design for us is that it be in his promises, is that he would, we would allow him to cast a vision for our life through his word and see how to walk in that vision through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we'd have some things we could, we could plead to him, that these are real, that there's going to come a day when he rescues us from this life that he's near to us. That's what he has for us. That's the calling he has on our lives. And I don't know, I don't know where you sit today. I don't know what's going through your mind. Maybe your eyes are blind and you're like, I have no freaking clue what this guy up here is saying or nor do I even care. And I would just challenge you to pray, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Three prayers that I think will transform us as a church and as a people of God that I, I challenge us to pray. Let's pray. Father, would you open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Father, would you Incline our hearts to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Would you turn our eyes from looking at worthless things and give us life in your ways? Father, would you steady our steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over us? God, thank you for the truth of your word. Would you make us a church Would you make us a church that treasures the word of God and the God of the word above all else? God, only you can do it. No matter how great I talk, how great of a people we are, only you can incline our hearts and stir our affections for you. So would you do that in these moments? Would you stir our affections that we might know you more? That we might walk in the truth and things that matter. We might claim the promises of God. And would you offer hope? Would you show hope to those in this room that think there's really no hope? God, we love you. Surrender to you to the truth of your word. In Christ's name, amen.